want to encourage you, if you have your copy of God's Word, to please open to the letter to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 15 will be our text this morning. As you're turning there, just to give you an update on how things are going with the Herods, uh, still had a good week with Emma, uh, still seeing things that she had been doing getting stronger and just feeling here and there muscles moving in areas that we hadn't felt before. Do pray though, like Emma's just like us, with the change in the temperature, there's a little more congestion and things going on that we battle, just pray that won't be too much of a challenge for us. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verses 6 through 15 will be our text. Just a little background, Paul is speaking with this church at Corinth, encouraging them to give. This congregation, we don't know the size of it, but this congregation at Corinth had already distinguished themselves as a very giving congregation. Apparently they were very poor, but when they were made aware of a need, they responded very generously. Now another need has arisen, and Paul apparently has used the church at Corinth as a model of giving sacrificially and generously. So in verses 1 through 5, he is reminding them like, hey, I've got a stake in you now, okay? I've, I've held you up, now follow through. You've said you're going to do this, now follow through. Now that's where we pick up in verse 6. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you, thanks be to God for His inexpressible gift. Would you pray with me? Father, you are indeed the giver of life. And Father, by your grace and power, you go beyond that, supplying all that we need. So this morning, Lord, we ask you to give us ears to hear you. We ask you to work within each of us to incline our hearts to you, to love you, and to show our love by being obedient. Grant these things for your glory, we pray. Amen. Well, as I mentioned last week, 
I've begun this series on the issue of giving. And remember, part of my motivation is that we would finish this year strong. That we as a congregation would reverse this trend of decreased giving and that we would step forward in faith. And in fact, on the screen, just a reminder, we are moving toward Prove the Tithe Day, Sunday, November 4th. On that day, we are encouraging every member, everyone who attends, to give a tithe. To do as Dan mentioned from the book of Malachi and in his testimony, to test the Lord. That's one verse where God said, test me. See if I am not true to my word. So on that day, we're encouraging every member, every regular attender to give a tithe or more. And let's just see what God will do. Now one of the things I was made aware of is that for many in our culture today, we don't carry cash. And checks are becoming a thing of the past. So if you don't carry cash, and you don't use checks, and you use debit cards, what in the world are you to do on Prove the Tithe Day? I know you've been worried about that. So I'm going to put your mind at ease. I was reminded this week up on the screen that there are other ways to give. You can give online. In fact, as I was getting the slide up, a person said, I gave online this week. So you can give your offering online. It is secure uh, through trinity3e.org slash give. And there's certainly on the website place where as you look at the menu, you can find the place to give. And there's another way you can give. Next slide, please. You can give through texting. This has been set up as a service to our congregation. Uh, the number's there, 423-301-5010. The first time you do that, you'll be prompted uh, to visit a secure link. You'll give a registration, credit card, debit card, and it is secure. So if you are part of the, the cashless society, not using uh, cash or checks, there are still ways to give. It's been interesting since I began this, or announced I was beginning this series of several people that have come up to me and they have said, I'm glad you're preaching this, but it must be hard. That's one, giving's one of those subjects for preachers that can be very difficult to speak about because defenses go up. It struck me that today the two subjects that preachers are most frequently hesitant to talk about is the subject of hell and giving. And I know for many congregations those two things are one and the same. Um, but it's something that to be faithful to God, we have to address. When we start to talk about money, our defenses go up. There's something very personal. When we start talking about how we utilize our resources, and the Satan, he works to be sure that the message of joyous, loving giving is lost. Many who hear this will leave after two sermons and say, that is all that pastor preaches on. Well, for the next four weeks, that's accurate. But for many, that's the idea that Satan wants to give. That's all that they care about. Rather than being nervous about this series, I'm actually excited about it. And here's why. I'm not approaching giving as a drudgery. I don't believe it should be or is. This is a chance for me to help people that I love experience joy. This is a chance for me to teach the congregation that I love and serve how you can multiply the joy in your life. If you had a chance to instruct someone how they could have a more joyful life, would you want to do that? 
If you have the opportunity to speak lovingly into someone's life and say, I'm going to tell you how you can have joy in your life and multiply it and here's how, wouldn't that be something that you would just relish? So for me, I see this as an opportunity for us to grow in joy because giving leads to joy. Giving increases joy. Generosity and joy go hand in hand. Now every one of us in here want joy. You want to be happy. You want to feel a sense of, of fulfillment and a sense of satisfaction. A sense that life is worthwhile. Every believer, every person, every human desires those things. But what happens is there are two ways that are presented to us to find that joy as it relates to money. On one hand, the idea is out there that if we want joy, the way to find joy is to work, to hoard, and to spend it on yourself. That's the idea that the world gives. And our flesh feeds that idea. The way to find joy and happiness is, to quote John Wesley, is to get all you can, then can all you get, then sit on the can. Kevin Harney, in his book, Seismic Shifts, describes a scene that he witnessed one day in the church nursery. He said there was a little boy that was sitting on the floor of the nursery, and he had a red rubber ball underneath each arm tucked as close to him as he could, and then between his knees were three other Nerf balls, and he was hoarding these balls and guarding these balls like a hyena would guard a fresh kill. Any other child that got within five feet of the balls, this little boy would bare his teeth and scream for them to get away. Kevin Harney said, I probably should have intervened, but it was just kind of entertaining to see what would happen because he noticed something. The whole attitude of the nursery changed. Anytime a child got near this little boy, the anger, the fear would just overflow and impacted everyone in the nursery so that no one was happy. The kids that couldn't get the balls, they weren't happy. And the little boy hoarding the balls, he wasn't happy. And then eventually the parents came and picked up the child and the balls fell to the floor, proving the point that you can't take it with you. I wonder if in some ways our attitude toward giving is not like that. Selfish. Selfishness sucks the joy out of any room. I mean, just ask yourself. Do you enjoy being around selfish people? Is that the person that you can't wait to be around? That just thinks of themselves and all that they can get? Now compare that to being around someone who's generous. When you're around a person who is generous, there is a joy that's infectious. You see, generosity and joy go hand in hand. In fact, some of the most joyful people I've ever met are the most generous. Paul writes to the church at Corinth and writes to us to magnify our joy. If I could summarize the meaning of this text in one phrase, it would be this. The joy of giving is experiencing the pleasure of God's smile on your life. That's the joy of giving. 
It is knowing that God is smiling upon that and that His face is turned towards you. I base this on verse 7, where Paul says, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Why? Why shouldn't we give with a grudge or a selfish attitude? God doesn't love that. But what He does love is one who is a cheerful giver. One who gives out of joy, out of the heart. And God takes pleasure in that because generous, joyful giving reflects the attitude of God. God gives joyfully. Our God is not a miser. When God gives, it's never out of a sense of, well, I own the whole universe, but I'll give them a little bit of this. I hope they're careful with it. God doesn't give through clenched teeth. God gives out of love and a love that is joyful and overflows. He gives willingly. And when we reflect as believers the character of God, it brings joy to God. We experience the same joy when one of our children begins to share something that we enjoy. There's a sense of, of pride in that, a sense of joy, a sense of sharing. But just like our Heavenly Father, when a gift is given out of a sense of only obligation, it doesn't magnify joy. Even though I've used this illustration before, it makes the point very powerfully, so bear with me. It would be like I surprised Jody coming up in December with flowers and just everything she could imagine, and I give that to her, and she smiles, and she says, Oh, you remembered our anniversary? And when I give it to her and she says that, but I look at her and I say, yes, I know it was our anniversary and I knew you'd be mad if I didn't do this. How do you think she receives that gift at that point? Now, shame the devil and tell the truth. I wouldn't see her again for a week and then my eyes would open a little bit when the swelling went down. But... When I give her that and I say, honey, yes, I remembered our anniversary because that's one of the best days of my life. And I love you. Aww. That attitude changes everything. You see, and one of the reasons we can give with an attitude of saying, Lord, this is yours and I give and I give because I love you is because the reality is it all belongs to God anyway. That's why giving is joyful. We're simply returning to God what already belongs to Him. So as we give, what we're doing is we're taking God at His word. That God loves a cheerful giver, so we are to believe Him. Now, this joy in giving comes from trusting God. It's taking Him at His word that there is more joy in giving than in being selfish. Verse 6 points this out. Verse 6 gives the principle of sowing. It's really very simple. Paul makes it very clear. The point he says is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Now this is an agricultural image. Basically what he's saying is when a farmer goes out and if a farmer takes a handful of seed and he throws that handful out, guess what? He should not expect a huge harvest. His harvest is going to match the amount of seed that he plants. It's common sense. You sow a little, you'll reap a little. But if you sow a lot, then you reap a lot. Now, let's take it in the sense of joy. 
If you want a little bit of joy, he's saying, sow just a little bit. And keep in mind, the seed he's referring to are the material things, the gifts that God has given us. So he says, if you want a lot of joy, give generously. Now, what will we reap when we give generously? I've also already mentioned in verse 7, the pleasure of God. God loves a generous spirit. So we will reap the pleasure and the blessing of God, but we'll also reap this, and this I'm going to move down to verse 10. We'll also reap the ability to give more. Paul says, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing. Now, if I can be just very point blank, the seed for sowing here, he's saying, is money. Remember, Paul's talking about giving. So he's saying that as you give, God's going to give and supply and multiply and increase the harvest of your righteousness. So he's saying that as you give more, God's going to supply more seed for you to sow. Now the idea of sowing seed is the idea of giving and investing more to see more joy in your life and to see the kingdom of God grow. Now, lest many of you think, well, Pastor Mark has gone prosperity gospel on us. I'm not. Now hear me carefully. The prosperity gospel is something that is permeating our society today. In fact, permeating Christianity. Prosperity gospel is wrong. Prosperity gospel says in this way, if you send a $100 to your ministry, then God will give you $1,000 back. Now, I've always wondered if they believe that principle, shouldn't they send us the $100 and then they would get the $1,000 back? But I digress. Some, think about that. That will hit you a little bit later. That teaching feeds greed it simply becomes a way for us to use God to get what we want which is our idol of money that's not what Paul is teaching here Paul is teaching that as you give faithfully God's going to give you more not so you can hoard it but so that you can give more God's saying that as you give faithfully, God's going to supply what you need so that you can give more. So that the generosity grows. Now, the question comes, but what if you don't have a lot to give? As Dan said, the reality is some people are strapped with medical bills. For some, they're strapped with bad decisions from the past where they're in debt. And the idea of giving 10% is something that, well, to many seems legalistic and you're not able to do it. That's why Paul doesn't focus on the amount in this passage. What he focuses on is the attitude. I direct your attention back to verse 7. He says, give what you've decided in your heart, not reluctantly. Quite frankly, the issue is not the amount. The issue is the attitude with which we give. Well, if the issue is not the amount, then why do we keep talking about a tithe? Now, if you're not aware, a tithe is 10% of your income. It's a standard that was set in the New Testament, going back to Abraham, when he met a man by the name of Melchizedek in Genesis, I believe it's around chapter 14. And Abraham gives a tithe, 10% of his gross income. A tithe is simply a benchmark. It's a standard to gauge. So there are probably legitimate reasons why a person can't give a tithe. 
You may sit down and look at your budget and say, realistically, with the bills we have, the debt we have, we could only give 4%. But here's the point. God knows the heart. He knows the intent with which we give. So He knows that in your heart you're thinking, if I can give and I can give and I can work and get out of debt, then I can give more. God honors that. But the flip side is this. There are some people that give a tithe and quite frankly, they could be even more generous. And God knows that also. Jesus pointed this out in Mark chapter 12. He pointed out some Pharisees who when it came time to give, they wanted everybody to see how pious they were. They announced their giving with trumpets and fanfare. Look, they're giving. Look, Rabbi Ben-Hur is coming to give his tithe. Everybody stop and pay attention. And it was a carnival. There was popcorn and pretzels. And everybody was celebrating in an amazement of the generosity of this rabbi. Jesus said there was a poor lady, widow, had barely anything. She made her way and she placed a mite. A mite was like a penny. Jesus said she gave more than all those Pharisees combined. She gave sacrificially in what she had. And she gave simply to honor the Lord. See, the key to sowing and reaping joy is to give consistently. One of the amazing things is that here at Trinity, special offerings have been very, very good. Trinity is a very generous congregation. When we've had a special offering, the congregation has risen to the challenge. But we need not neglect the daily, regular giving that supports our missions through the cooperative program and things like Bible school, Sunday school literature, and paying the light bill. See, when we give, we trust God and worry is eliminated. Verses 8 through 10, Paul writes, and God is able, now listen to the word all in this. God is able to make all grace abound to you, So that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As we give faithfully, as we sow faithfully, he's saying God is going to supply what you need. He will supply what we need and he does it so that we will have all sufficiency to abound in every good work. God gives what we need so that we can give more. That takes away worry. It's His. To trust Him to know that when we give faithfully, God is true to His Word. And that's why He ends in verse 15 by saying, Thanks be to God for His inexpressible gift. You see, joy is knowing that our Heavenly Father will take care of us. Joy is knowing that as we give generously, God will supply more so that we can give more and have more joy. Because generosity gives joy. I want to ask you to bow your heads with me right now. Now there may be an area of worry when it comes to finances that Satan is battling you on right now. I want to ask you just to take God at His word. 
Even now the Lord may be speaking to you saying, step out in faith. And once again, the enemy is battling that. This may be the time right now where you say, Father, I want to give. Start where you are. I think that's the key. It is to start where you are and saying, Lord, this is yours. Father, search our hearts and I pray that you would incline our hearts to know the joy that comes in giving, in giving faithfully and generously. The psalmist said he has never seen the righteous begging for bread. You are our Father and you supply all that we need so that your work can continue. So Father, be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and